to Genesis chapter 1. And normally I would have you stand for the message or for the reading of the word. Um, But I'm actually going to ask you to stand at some points. I am not going to have you stand while I read the entirety of Genesis 1, um, because I feel like that would just be mean, <laughs> and I'm not, uh, I'm not generally in the business of being um, mean, sort of. Um. So if you would turn in your Bibles to Genesis 1, or you can find it in your device, Uh, The great news is Genesis 1 is really easy to find. It's the very, very first chapter in the very, very first book. So uh, I'll give you a second, but you probably don't need much time to find it. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. And God said, let there be an expanse between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the expanse and separated the water under the expanse from the water above it, and it was so. God called the expanse sky, and there was evening, and there was morning the second day. And God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place, and let dry ground appear, and it was so. God called the dry ground land, and the gathered waters he called seas, and God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it, according to their various kinds. And it was so. The land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the third day. And God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the sky to separate the day from the night and let them serve as signs to mark seasons and days and years and let them be be lights in the expanse of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He also made the stars. God set them in the expanse of the sky to give light on the earth, to govern the day and the night and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. And God said, let the water teem with living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the sky. So God created the great creatures of the sea and every living and moving thing with which the water teems according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and increase in number, and fill the water in the seas, and let the birds increase on the earth. And there was evening, and there was morning the fifth day. And God said, Let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, livestock, creatures that move along the ground, and wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground in accordance with their kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, 
Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. And then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the air and all the creatures that move on the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. I'm going to ask you to stand. Because we begin today a study in becoming Christ-like. It is, it is a study that uses its, as its key verse Romans 12, 2. And if you picked up a pink sheet at the back, you will have that scripture in front of you. And it says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. It is going to be our goal to memorize this scripture together with our study. So I'd like for us to practice it together. So if you can all say it with me. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. You also on your pink sheet have this phrase. We become Christ-like when we live in our actions what we believe in our hearts. The verse and the phrase are the underlying premise of our study for these next six weeks. New year, new you, learning to live like Jesus. We're going to say them together at the beginning of our message every week. And I encourage you to not only think about the verse and this phrase, but to read the book of Romans as we go through this study together. Not all of our messages, as evidenced by today, will be from the book of Romans, but Romans really lays the groundwork for what we're going to talk about and work through together. Let's pray together. Hide me behind your cross, Lord. Articulate your heart through my voice to your people, helping us every day and in every way to learn to be like Christ by the work of your Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. If we're going to learn to be Christ-like, it seems like a good idea to start with the idea of why we're not Christ-like already. And to get to that place, we have to really start at the very beginning 
and understand why we even care about being Christ-like at all. And so, today, we start at the very beginning. And you may be saying, why on earth did you read all of that whole entire passage? Because really, we're going to focus on verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. But the reason that we read the entire chapter is because it sets the stage for us to understand that everything that God created was good. You heard me sort of emphasize that a little bit as we went through. God made light, and it was good. God made water and sky, and it was good. And he made the sea, and it was good. All the way through, God said, it was good. And then we get to the very end and it says, God saw all that he had made and it was very good. So you see, we started out good. And we started out having been created in the image of God. Before there was anything else, there was God. And he made us, you and me, in his image. You see, God created us to be like him from the very start. And before anything else happened, that's who we were. He created us on purpose, for a purpose. There's a gathering I go to once a month, and my husband makes fun of me every time I talk about it. It's uh, called Pastors on Purpose, and he sort of makes fun of me because he says, who on earth would be a pastor on accident? <laughs> but the idea of it is to say that we're thinking about mission. In fact, I tried to get them to change it to Ministers on Mission. But um, think about that for a minute. They didn't quite go for it. The idea is, is that we have a purpose. We have something that we have to do. That's what purpose means. We have something that we have to do, and we know what it is. Being created in God's image means that we have a purpose as created beings. God created us intentionally, and he created us with this idea that we would bear his image. So what does it mean to be created in God's image? Well, first it means we are based on God's idea of who we should be. Think about, for a minute, if I asked you to draw a flower. Let's say I asked everyone in the congregation right now to take out a pen, put it on the paper, and draw me a flower. Now, some of you would draw elaborate 
roses or lilies or something like that. If it was me, it would be a little circle with a bunch of bubbles popping out of it and a stick. <laughs> but all of us would have our own idea of what a flower looks like. We were created based on God's idea of who people should be. You see, everything that we draw as an artist there, I use the term artist loosely, would still be a flower. But it would be our idea of a flower. And that's what it means for us to be created in God's image. It means that we are God's idea of what a person should be. Just like the artist flower also can't somehow become the artist that drew it. So if you drew an elaborate rose or lily, it's not suddenly going to just become you. It would be really weird, sort of sci-fi. We can't ever become God. We can only become the best version of this idea of people that God has created us to be. The second thing it means when we talk about being created in God's image is that we are a reflection of God's character. And we carry that reflection with us everywhere we go. And part of reflecting God is that we crave knowing God personally. We have been created with the desire for God in ourselves. Because we have a reflection of God as part of who we are. Think of us almost like mirrors of God's image. Again, the image in the mirror isn't the person who's looking into it, but it is a picture of that person. That is also part of what it means to have God's image created in us. The mirror's reflection isn't the image of the person if the person walks away, right? So in order for us to be the reflection of God's image, we have to be in God's presence. This is why we desire God's presence. Why we want to know God. Because we were created to. Because part of having his image embedded in us is wanting to be close to God. We're going to talk a little more about how we sort of twisted that and maybe broke the mirror a little bit next week. But there's a reason why now, after being created good and in God's image, we spend a lot of our time trying to fill that gap of wanting to know God with other things. With things like drugs and alcohol or bad relationships, or whatever. 
And we're going to talk about that a lot more. But essentially, we wanted to become God. Remember, I said we couldn't. And we've been trying to take charge ever since we figured out that it was not possible. The last thing it means for us to be created in God's image is that we are good. Just like I emphasized, God said it was good. The original blueprint of creation did not include illness and sadness and poverty or hunger or death. We opened the door for those things. But first, we were created in God's image. And we were good. We were built to God's standard for God's purpose. And it was good. It was good. We're going to talk like I said, about the fall next week. But we all know that who we were created to be is not who we are. But it is still who God wants us to be. We were created to be a perfect reflection of God. There's a phrase for that. It's a Latin phrase, and it's called imago Dei. Can you say that? Imago Dei. Imago Dei. It means God's image or God's perfect reflection. And we were still created to get back there. God has said, okay, okay, you screwed this up. Not going to lie. It's a mess. But I am willing to do I will do, I have done whatever it takes to get you back. To recapture the perfect Imago Dei in you. Who we are is not who we have to be. Who we were, created in God's image and built to reflect God perfectly, that is who we can be. And that is why I've titled this series, New Year, New You. Because even though we aren't who we were created to be, God has made a way for us to reclaim that ideal. To rewrite our future despite our past. And I think it's important for us to remember that our created worth is found in our creation of, as God's perfect idea of us. We are not created to be broken, and we don't have to stay that way. We are not created to be worthless, and we are not worthless. We are God's creation about which God said, it is good Right along with the stars in the sky and the fish in the oceans and the plants and the trees, God loved us from the start because God made us to be a beautiful, complete, perfect reflection of himself. 
So even though we cracked the mirror, we damaged the artist's work, we are still very precious to God. In fact, two reminders today. You have worth because you are. You don't have to earn your worth. You don't have to build your worth. You don't have to do anything to have worth. You have worth because you are. You matter. The people around you matter. Turn to your neighbor right now and say, or find someone to turn to and say, you matter. You all matter. It is very important that you hear this. Being created in the image of God makes our lives have purpose and worth. Next week, we're going to talk about how we screwed it all up. But even though we messed up the Imago Day, it's really important to remember that even broken, our value is humongous, ginormous even. It's big. It's huge. And today, as we receive communion together, we do so in the full knowledge that our participation in this act is part of the restorative process, part of the way that we regain the reflection of God in ourselves. The perfect image of God made flesh was Christ. And as we participate in the remembrance of Christ's life, death, and resurrection, we do so knowing that it was that gift that has made it possible for us to live Christ-like lives, reflecting again God's perfect image back to him.